You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites, and is brought to you by ZeroMo, a non-profit initiative helping transition to battery-powered lawn and gardening equipment and electric vehicles using 100% renewable energy. Hello and welcome to The Driven Podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of The Driven and also of Renew Economy. Well, it seems to be the season of new electric vehicle models and of the test drive. Last week, we brought you a report on the Hyundai Ioniq, the first electric vehicle with decent range to be priced under $50,000 in Australia. And this week, we jump back up to the top end of the market. The Jaguar I-PACE is the first electric car that has been released by one of the world's most iconic brands and it certainly won't be the last. It was interesting in the presentation before a test drive for auto journalists a couple of weeks ago that the new managing director of Jaguar in Australia was talking about the rapid transformation and the opportunities of electric vehicles and it seems that within five or seven years all of Jaguar's new cars will be electric and they'll be gradually trans, um, gradually adapting all their current models to fully or at least partly electric cars. So this, has, and this uh, recording is from a test drive that we were invited to do in Sydney, south of Sydney through the Royal National Park and down to Wollongong. Um, it was a fantastic and fascinating experience driving a new car priced at, I must say, $120,000 up to $150,000. So it is a, a certain market and as you'd expect, um, it's a decent drive. But here I am talking during the test drive with James Keeley, who is the product manager for Jaguar. So look, uh, I've just had a drive of this for the last um, hour or so, going through first of all the streets of Sydney and then the National Park um, and then on some, some open roads. Um, really quite a stunning experience. Um, incredibly responsive, incredibly clean and as you'd, as, you'd, as you'd expect from a car of 100 grand plus, um, just a delightful drive. Um, what's Jaguar's thinking behind this? Well, uh, we wanted to build, uh, first and foremost, an electric vehicle, um, but it was. Um, we also wanted to make the car uh, drive like a Jaguar should drive. So it wasn't just about how we um, deliver an electric vehicle for the customer, but how do we make a driving experience that fits in with the, the Jaguar um, expectations of a, of a driving car. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of work that was done in the dynamics and the suspension of the vehicle so that when the customer drives the car, they feel this really um, incredible, sporty and responsive driving experience. Now, you were telling me that in your opinion, you reckon this was the best Jaguar. I don't know, I don't think you ever said the best Jaguar ever, but certainly the best Jaguar of recent times. Um, why is that? I think it's the way that uh, electric vehicles um, have the characteristics that are really um, beneficial for driving performance. So um, as I was saying to you before, with electric vehicles, the battery, which is a fairly heavy component, sits very low to the ground, and that gives you a very low center of gravity. And the way that that's sort of represented when you drive is that as you um, corner through really tight bends, the car sits very flat, it doesn't have any body roll. And that's something that normally like 
uh, it's it's quite challenging to achieve in a in a performance a traditional performance car having that low center of gravity, and that's something that as an electric vehicle you just have by by virtue of um, having an electric battery in the car. So that makes it safer, um, and as you said, look, there's, it makes it makes it flatter. There's less roll, and we we're going around a big bend um, a couple of minutes ago, and we just sort of noticed all the cars coming opposite direction. They're kind of leaning over. They've got that sort of roll on them, whereas we remain relatively flat. That's right. Yeah, and that's just because the um, all the weight, which is from the battery, is sitting very low to the to the ground as well. So um, it's, it has some really great um, properties for for performance driving. Um, now, so tell us about so tell us about the different um, modes that you've got. You've essentially um, you've got three modes. So that's echo, there's comfort, and there's dynamic. That's right. So probably the, the mode that the driver will use most often is uh, what we call the comfort mode. That's basically like an ideal um, setting. So the car that we're in today has um, air suspension, which um, I like to think about it like I'm, I'm riding on a cloud or I'm riding on air. It's a really um, gives you really nice ride comfort um, with this air suspension and so we sort of figured that most of the customers will normally use the comfort mode. When you switch into dynamic mode there's a couple of things that happen. One is that the steering response gets a bit quicker so that helps you corner a little bit more uh, control. The throttle response also quickens up as well and also we have we adjust the suspension settings so that the car is a bit more um, able to handle a lot of changes in direction and bumpiness in the roads as well so that's dynamic mode. And probably something that's just unique to the electric vehicle is the EV mode, which is um, if you want to, oh, sorry, the eco mode. And this is where if you're a little bit concerned about your range, maybe you're taking a long trip and you just want to have a bit more um, buffer in your range, you can switch eco mode on and the car will go into it's sort of a, a maximum efficiency setting. So it lowers some of the things like the air conditioning, probably dampens that a bit. Um, and some of the other sort of uses like electricity so that you can try to maximize your range as much as possible. And then you've also got um, the other new thing that you get, new, the new driver experience that you get from electric vehicles is the regenerative braking. Um, now Jaguar, I understand, has got um, two different modes of this, sort of soft um, and, um, um, how, how do you describe the other one? So we've got like a, like a low and a high setting for regenerative braking and what regenerative braking does, it's, um, it's actually really cool. It um, in a normal car, when you press the brakes, um, you're, you transfer your kinetic energy or your moving energy into your brake pads, which uh, and you get sort of sound and heat, and that's that's a sort of a waste of um, energy. With regen braking, effectively, what you do is you you recapture that kind of energy and then put that back into the battery. So um, when you when you are sort of braking, you're actually in some ways recharging your your battery by a small amount. I certainly enjoyed it. I had it on the um, the high regenerative, regenerative braking, and um, I really enjoyed that. You do actually sort of it does have noticeable grip, but it, I just think it's a great way to manage the driving. And, and, and as you described it, it's actually sort of one pedal driving rather than two pedal drivings, and there just seems to be something much more direct and controlling about it. And I, I just feel much happier um, driving the car like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, it took me a while to get used to it. Um, and speaking to some of our early um, drivers who have tried this, what they're sort of saying now is that um, after about 50 minutes, you get used to this. And uh, with uh, with regenerative braking, you can, like you said before, we when you want to brake, all you have to do is just sort of lift your foot off the accelerator just a little bit, and you're starting to brake. And it saves you having to sort of like move your foot from the accelerator to the to the brake pedal and press that and get some sort of really less uh, direct sort of control. 
Now, you were talking before in the presentation, before we went on this test drive, you were talking about the um, Hyundai strategy here. Um, uh, sorry, not Hyundai, sorry, Jaguar strategy. Um, you were talking about the... Um, um, when, when, before we came out on here, um, you were talking about, um, in the presentation before we came out on the, on the drive, you were talking about the Jaguar strategy. You've got 45 dealerships in Australia and you're going to have EVs in every one of those 45 dealerships. Tell us about the change of the, the training that's needed to go into the dealers who are actually selling the car because EVs is a different thing, isn't it? It's not just in the way people drive and think about charging and refueling, it's also a fairly big impact on the way the um, dealer, dealers actually manage their business too. Yeah, definitely. I'd say probably the, the biggest challenge um, that we found so far is um, dealing with the complexity of electric vehicles. So um, electric, electricity as a propulsion system is really new for a lot of people. And what we found is that when we started talking about electric vehicles with our customers, the, the biggest thing for them to get their heads around was how to deal with like sort of new units of um, uh, electricity so like for example the kilowatt hour is a unit of electrical storage in the vehicle um, charging your car is a um, you charge it with kilowatts so all these sort of techno uh, terminologies was a bit of a struggle initially and at the same time what we um, are really focusing on is how EVs are different to uh, fuel vehicles and what that means for the customer so what it means in terms of the cost of f fueling up your electric vehicle and what that looks like as a, as, a, as a daily driver. So that's been the biggest challenge so far, is just um, transitioning from um, a petrol vehicle to, to a fuel vehicle. And how has the driver experience been? How has the, tra how has the driving experience, how has that, that experience actually translated then for the, um, for the, um, for the people who've come on the, um, for the people who've come on to, um, hang on, Sorry. where are we? I, I was meant to turn there, I'm just going back to okay. the ground there, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Navigating, driving and talking all at once. All right, no, it's, it's a bit much, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Um, so for those dealers and some of the other experienced motoring journalists that you've had on, on the ride, how the, what, what's been their reception to electric vehicle driving? Um, I'd say that uh, probably the, the biggest uh, response we've, have, we've had so far with people that drive the car is that just how well um, this car handles. So I think there's a lot of expectations that electric vehicles are not as exciting to drive as a traditional car. And I'd, I'd say with like the I-Pace, that's absolutely not the case. In fact, in some ways, the I-Pace is a superior drive to a traditional car in many ways. Um, and that's probably been the biggest um, surprise to people is that um, this car is really, really fun and engaging to drive, even though it's an electric vehicle. That's probably been the overwhelming feedback we've had so far. It's interesting, even though it's an electric vehicle, it's still fun to drive, whereas I would be saying it's because it's an electric vehicle, it's actually fun to drive. So, um, But I guess I'm more of an um, energy transition enthusiast than, a, than an old motoring, uh, mot motoring hack. Um, certainly the acceleration of this is um, pretty exciting. I mean, it's not quite sort of Tesla um, in ludicrous mode, but it's still pretty solid at uh, not to 100 and um, just over four seconds, and you can certainly feel it when you put your, put your foot to the floor. Yeah, definitely. So there's some wonderful sort of characteristics of EVs where the um, the torque delivery, you get maximum torque 
uh, at zero RPM. So from pretty much as soon as you push on the pedal, uh, you've got your maximum torque. And that's that sort of delivers a, a level of acceleration that you can pretty much only experience in the most, you know, the highest end um, performance sports cars. So that's a great advantage to have in an electric vehicle um, from, from the get-go. And as you noticed before, it's, um, or as you were talking before, it, you, you don't actually feel like you're going through the gears. It's just very smooth. It's just sort of, you know, it, it, it just it just goes through the um, through the kilometers, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So this car does not have a, a traditional gearbox. There's only a single gear. And so as you accelerate, it's a, it's a really constant um, sort of uh, acceleration that uh, it's quite a interesting thing to experience and you can only really experience it in an electric vehicle. And you've also put this interesting thing in here about um, having an artificial sound. Now, it's not compulsory, you can actually change the setting of that so you can actually get rid of this artificial sound. But you wanted to put the artificial sound in there and it's very subtle, it's not really loud because an electric vehicle is quiet and you want it to be quiet. But there is something there which just gives a bit of, it gives the driver a bit of a sense that he's doing something, he's accelerating or he's using more power. What's the thinking behind that? Yeah, so, um I guess it, it depends on the driver taste, and that's why we've had the ability to turn it off and on. But with um, when you switch on this artificial sound, I actually personally I like it because it, to me, if it sounds a bit more what I'm used to hearing. Um, some of our early testing, we found that when you drive an electric vehicle, because there's no engine noise, there's no engine noise from the combustion engine. Um, you hear a lot of the wind noise and other sort of like electrical motor noise, which some people like you yourself preferred. Mm. Um, but what we found is some people actually found that a little bit disconcerting. So by putting in a sort of a small amount of sort of traditional sound in the vehicle, um, your brain sort of like feels like you're just, uh, there's nothing wrong and everything is sort of normal. And I actually personally like having that little bit of background noise uh, in the car to, um, to give me a sort of a feel for like when I'm sort of speeding up. Uh, it's the sounds that I hear are a bit more what I'm used to mainly. We don't have that on right now, do we? No, we switched it off. Okay, fair enough. We'll maybe get that back on later on. Um, just finally, though, you were sort of saying that to get this, the iPace price range, I think it goes from about what, 112? 119 recommended retail price, so that's before odd road costs, all the way up to about 141 for a top grade model. That compares to your other petrol SUV, which I think starts around about, what, 70 to 80 and goes up to about 110, 120 or something? Yeah, that's right. So the way we, we sort of wanted to position this vehicle was at a, at a, at a premium to a similarly equipped and um, performance um, car. So looking at our own um, range, we have the F-Pace, which is our medium-sized uh, SUV using uh, diesel and petrol powertrains. And um, when you compare that, to, when you compare an I-Pace to an F-Pace, it is it's they're, they're about maybe about ten percent uh, more expensive when you compare like for like model. But you were sort of saying at the same time that to get the level of performance in an F-Pace than you do in an I-Pace, you're pretty much going to have to pay almost the same price. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. So the way we compare, um, sort of uh, like for like for two different cars, is we look at the I guess the size and the space, the the power, and also what features they have in the car. So. A lot of different cars have different levels of standard specification, but when you sort of equalize all these sort of factors, the I, the I pace is just a little bit more than, than the F pace. And who's been um, who's been showing interest in the I pace so far? Yeah, so it's kind of what we expected. It's mainly um, the early adopter buyer types, so the the people that have to have the latest in technology. Um, they they may not be buying it necessarily because it's an EV, um, although they like the fact that they are um, buying a more a, uh, 
a fuel efficient vehicle or a, a green vehicle for example but they just love the fact that with electric vehicle you get all this really great technology and driving experience and that's really um what they are what they're buying and um jag was pretty much going to be changing its entire fleet um over towards um, electric vehicles over the next few years yeah so i can't talk too much about um, future product uh, but I'd say that the iPACE is the start of a journey that we're, we're taking and many other manufacturers are taking to electrify our range. So um, electrification is, is definitely coming and um, this is the first in a long line of products that are, that are heading on that journey. And it's not just electrification either. You were sort of mentioning before about the um, the, um, the the contract in the US um, for basically um, autonomous Uber cars using Waymo technology. So there's going to be Jaguar I-Paces driving around um, with no drivers at all, um, acting as basically taxis. Yeah, that's a really exciting um, development for us. But we we partnered with Waymo, which is uh, Google's. Um, autonomous driving division and they're going to be using the iPACE to create a fleet of um, you could say driverless Ubers um, operating in the US at this stage but uh, yeah it's a combination of uh, Jaguar's electric vehicle technology with um, Google's autonomous driving technology. And it makes you just think then when that starts happening what is the shape of the car going to be? Um, how that's going to adapt in the future? And what car makers will actually do to make their particular vehicle um, more interesting than others? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's a, it's a big, it'll be a big step change for us once we, once we get into autonomous driving. Um, as I was saying to you before, I actually, I'm really looking forward to autonomous vehicles because I spend most of my time in the car sitting in traffic, living in Sydney. Um, very, a very small percentage of that time is sort of driving for enjoyment. And I would love to have a vehicle that um, I could actually use to get back to time in my life to do other things, um, perhaps having a bit more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> which makes you think then, so do you want to have like a car which is just basically set up like this so you can do autonomous for much of it but still drive on the weekends? Or do you want something completely different, like a nice bubble car with a comfortable bed? Yeah, definitely um, an entertainment system and a comfortable bed would be would be awesome. But I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a period of transition as you know, even the front of the car, how that's going to look um, with autonomous vehicles. Are we still going to have a steering wheel? Or will you have something that's like with an AI and voice control? It's a lots of a really sort of big change that will happen um, over the next you know, decade or so. Well, the only thing I can say is that those who are interested in getting out there and driving electric vehicles do it pretty quickly because it might change all very, <laughs> all very fast, and we might be uh, might be sort of going through auto um, electric to autonomous um, quicker than um, quicker than some some of us might expect. But um, anyway, James, thank you very much, and um, I thoroughly enjoyed my drive and um, thoroughly enjoyed your thoughts. Thank you. I took that drive through the Royal National Park and uh, the streets of Sydney and down to Wollongong with James Keeley, the product manager for Jaguar. And I'm certainly looking forward to see what other models they roll out over the next uh, couple of years. And I'm certainly looking forward to a slightly cheaper Jaguar to um, see how that goes. And also to all the other vehicles, uh, electric vehicle models that we'll see being rolled out over the next year. It's going to be quite fascinating to see how they all compare and shape up. Bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by ZeroMo, the non-profit initiative that supports battery electric alternatives for lawn and gardening maintenance. ZeroMo helps transition to cleaner and quieter garden power tools and electric vehicles powered by 100% renewable energy. Visit zeromo.com.au and find out how you can make the switch to zero emission, petrol-free lawn and garden maintenance.